Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of Big Leagues Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinnon, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. What's going on hey. tonight, boys? Hey, boys, what's going on? Great to be back for another uh, fantastic week here. Sad day in the world of sports with uh, everybody's hockey dad passing away, but uh, a lot of, lot of good things happening uh, this week, so happy to get into this movie. Hey yeah. everybody! Great to uh, great to see you guys tonight. Uh, yeah, tough day in the world of sports. We we did lose Canada's hockey dad, and you know what? I'm not a big fan of the CFL, but Chris Schultz too. That was Schultz a tough one. He seemed like a really good personality yeah. and really well respected in his community as well. So a little bit of heavy hearts, but we're gonna get through it. We're gonna have a great show tonight. Let's go, boys! Yep. And on a positive note, happy uh, coming to America Two Day it dropped on Prime today. Just really pretty sweet. Yeah, oh, big. Nice. I saw something come across the old uh, wire there on on Spotify about the soundtrack, so I might have to check that one out. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. pumped about that one. Um, but this week, uh, yeah, we got a we got a good one on deck. We're uh, hitting the golf links this week, and we're uh, taking it back to. Uh, I can't believe this movie came out 21 years ago. It's, it just seems crazy to me because I because I can remember when it was like in the theater. But this week we're doing uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance. Let's jump into the trailer. Maybe I better come back when you're not so busy. Busy? Well, I thought you were going to say drunk. The fact is, there's enough whiskey in the state of Georgia to get me drunk enough. Well, how drunk is drunk enough? It's all a matter of brain cells. You see, every drink of liquor you take kills a thousand brain cells. And first the sadness cells die, so you smile real big. <laughs> And then the quiet cells go, so you just say everything real loud for no reason at all. <laughs> and finally, come the memory cells. These are tough to kill. We need someone from Savannah in the match. Who's that? I could have killed you out there. Oh, no, sir. See, I set myself directly in front of you. Because judging by how you was hitting them balls, I figured that's why I'd be out of harm's way. Bag of Vance, the name. Hey, you lost your swing. We got to go find him. I heard my dad tell how you won every tournament there ever was. The journey you was, you ain't never gonna be again. Ever. You don't know a damn thing about me. Ten years and not one single solitary word from you? You don't do that to someone you love. It was too long ago. No, it wasn't. This is becoming embarrassing. Oh, no, sir. It's been embarrassing for quite some time now. I can't do this. Yes, you can. This isn't your shot, Bagger. Nope. It's yours. Well, it's some storm we're brewing. What was it, Adele? What did you like about us? I like the way we danced. Inside each and every one of us is something that's ours and ours alone. Was there something you wished to discuss? Because this might not be the right time to. Play will continue! Cars! Get your cars, boys! Yeah, I always felt a man's grip on his club just like a man's grip on his world. Oh, 
Well, you guys know the drill. Before we dive into the movie, we like to crack the top on a nice cold beer. So without further ado, let's get into our brew review. What are we drinking tonight, Webb? Well, boys, you know how inspired I was last week by all the PGA guys uh, rocking, uh, rocking the black, the uh, black, and the the Sunday reds for Tiger. Uh, and you know how I like my early morning rounds of golf in the summer. Nothing beats waking up before the sun and just teeing off as the sun's beginning to peek out over the horizon. The warmth of the morning, the smell of the fresh cut fairway, sight of the flagstick just gently blowing in the breeze. And that sun's starting to burn off the dew from the grass, creating that beautiful haze and that perfect golf moment. Those hazy mornings inspire this week's selection from our friends at Cowbell Brewing Company in beautiful Blythe, Ontario. This week, we're diving into a pint of their Hazy Days, Hazy Juice, uh, Juicy IPA. Hazy Days is a juicy tropical punch of hops without the IPA bitterness. Aggressively whirlpool hopped, firm hopped, and dry hopped, brewed with an outrageous amount of Galaxy Mosaic Madarina and El Dorado hops to create a supremely refreshing and delicious beer. Hazy Days bursts with tantalizing tropical hops, aroma, and juicy flavors of mango, pineapple, papaya, and sweet orange. At 6%, this is a beer you most likely want to pair with some food, so go ahead and grab yourself some pizza, tacos, or some pad thai, and enjoy it with this pairing. For more information on this and any of their other fine beers, products, and services, including online ordering, be sure to check them out at cowbellbrewing.com. We're giving them a follow on all social media platforms by checking them out at, at Cowbell Brewing. As always, Big Lee Flicks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and always ensure you got a safe ride home. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Cheers guys. Cheers. Well read, Webb. Very well read. Very well they, read. They made it real easy for me this week. Let's put it that way. Hell of a job on their website uh, and some, some stuff there. Gonna drink it out of the gloss tonight. Yeah, we're going out of glasses. The, the cans recommended us to have it out of a glass. So, Cowbell, thanks for that. We're going to go out of the glass. My second one. I think I win. I think my glass wins. Yeah, you definitely have the proper yeah. glass. Yeah. You have more style. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, you know what guys? This is, really, this is really good. This is a delicious. Uh, the hazy beers, Webb, you've been talking about them. And he said, you know what? Let's give this a try. I've never had a hazy beer. Um, or the whatever the hazy craze is. When's when Sam Adams, our boy Sam Adams, they got a crazy hazy IPA. When's it coming our way? Hey Sam know, Adams, we'll them up. let's go. Yeah, uh, this boys. is delicious, Cowbell. Um, definitely great, a very very tasty pint. This would be a great beer, kind of, yeah, like with pair with food. And I can see how it's a pad thai or something like that. Delicious, very very tasty. Um, yeah, lots like of great this. flavors. That's wonderful, Jim. Yeah, I like it. It's uh. It's nice too because I I'm just I'm done for I'm done with winter. I know we were going through some winter beers and I'm done with I'm done with winter in general. I'm ready to move on into the spring and nothing can kick you into spring like a nice hazy IPA and uh, it's tasty. This is a good one. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I feel like this is one of those beers because it, it has such flavor to it. Uh, it would sneak up on you and knock you on your ass pretty quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's pretty high in alcohol content, like 6%. It's no joke. So I can see why why they could pair it with, why they say pair it with food. But yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely flavorful. It's actually really, really good. This might be trouble yeah. tonight. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's, but they got, they got a really cool story too. Uh, these guys, three generations, I was telling you guys before this, so three generations of the Sparling family have called Blythe home. 
Uh, and it's a small little town. I had to Google where it was. I knew, I kind of remember hearing about it. Um, and it's not far from my good buddies in Kitchener, Waterloo, and uh, and London. So it's next time I'm down that way, I think we should make a make a trip there. But a uh, little over a thousand people there, uh, and they do all kinds of stuff. They built the idea that brewery was basically to help uh, bring employment to to the region for uh, so many people living in that town. So. Pretty cool. They got a full-on uh, kitchen and restaurant with a store in there. Nice. The building That's itself great. looks like this beautiful rustic barn. It's got like all kinds of space where you can get married and venues and things like that. I think we got to make a road trip there when uh, when COVID's all said and done. Oh, it looks awesome. Their website's fantastic. fantastic. Be sure to check them out, guys. Awesome Sweet. stuff. Salut. So as we mentioned this week, we're doing uh, The Legend of Bagger Vance, uh, directed by our boy Robert Redford. Legend. Uh, distributed in 2000 by DreamWorks Pictures. They got a 6.7 rating on Internet Movie Database and a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty low <laughs> rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, budget of $80 million. Grossed only th- uh, $39.5 million at the box office. So wah, kind of wah. Wah, wah, wah. Music by Rachel Portman. Uh, starring Will Smith, Matt, D- Matt Damon, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Charlize Theron. Do a little quick movie. How are you now? How are you? Uh, A a disillusioned war veteran, Captain Ranolf Juna, reluctantly agrees to play in a golf exhibition match to help save an old flame's family golf course during the uh, the Great Depression. In advance of the match, Juna meets a mysterious caddy, Beggar Vance, who teaches him the secret of the authentic golf stroke, which turns out to also be the secret to finding the meaning of uh, of life. Let's jump into our character review. And let's start off with uh, Ranolf Juna, played by Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, Juna, to me, <clears throat> so before we get into this even more, was, I don't know, you can disagree with me all you want, was almost a character ahead of his time. And I feel like that, that type of character, the character we see today, was almost more ahead of his time. For example, to me, he's an example of trauma and what trauma can do to somebody. And I feel like even when that movie came out in the year 2000, that idea and the concept of trauma, we weren't really talking about it yet. Not and to even the mental. We no, we no, and the mental health piece didn't seem to be as big. <laughs> and overcoming, you know, what he had to went through. You know, back then it was okay, it's over, move on, come home. And you could see yeah. people wanting him. Okay, let's go. You're back to who you were. But he wasn't back there yet. And I kind of really put some thought into this guy because there's all sorts of things. I mean, he he was the golden boy of golf prior to going over to this. Then he, you know, he lost this battle and took really, you know, he felt awful about it and what happened to him about it and how it happened to his company or, you know, sorry, but he really never got over that. And I think in the year 2000, maybe, I don't know if people really knew or 2001, whatever it was, didn't really know the concept of trauma as much maybe as the mainstream people do today and the effects it can have on somebody. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I really noticed about this guy um, so again, he's the idea of a lot of layers to him, and there's a lot to the character itself. Um, so, you know, it's kind of the rise and the fall of the rise again, how somebody has so much going for them, and then all of a sudden it all goes away that fast. He had everything you could have imagined. He had, you know, the place, the town, the looks, the girl, the game. He had it all going for him, Webb. And I think, to me, he's a victim of trauma in a show or a story that was ahead of its time. Yeah, I mean, the idea of the whole PTSD thing hasn't, you know, I don't think that was new per se, right? Like, there's all kinds of stories about guys coming back from Vietnam and 
and mm-hmm. even before that World War Two, and they're they're just they see and go through so much, right? But I think to your point, Jar, I feel like this is maybe the start of seeing it in kind of like the Hollywood context, right? Um, in a movie that you don't really kind of expect it. Like I feel like it, mm-hmm. it it was a weird kind of story angle, actually, to be quite honest with you, that I didn't think needed to be there, but. Um, made set like I think they could have done something else to show him going down some kind of like tragic path whether I think this was just more of an attempt to make him seem like he was a really noble person right at the, at the end at the heart of it um, but I don't I don't know it just it didn't really click with me um, Matt Damon though how crazy young does he look in this like yeah. Mrs. Webster and I were talking about yes the guy's over 50 now yeah, like he just looks like a pup in this. Like this is like just after I. I would think it's fairly recently after Goodwill Hunting at this point, right? Like Goodwill Hunting, two or three years. Yeah, yeah. Like he's still a young. Yeah, I kid. think it's like four years after Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, looks great. Uh, all the guys in this in this movie in the particular movie all have a good look about them. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, hit the character himself, like you said, he, he's he's definitely damaged goods. Um, and he needs something to kind of bring him back from, from the dead and find joy in living again. Uh, and golf ends up being that for him, even though he maybe is a little opposed to it at the start, but, uh, yeah, Yeah. I I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to add. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I actually like the way the story's written because at that time, a lot of, a lot of guys came back from the war damaged. And I think that was a common theme, especially heading into the Great Depression. And then, you know, you couple that, you add that on to, on top of it, and it just shows the devastation of widespread devastation across everyone that came back. Like, not just people that came back from the war, but everyone else as well, right? The impacts of that. So I kind of like think- how it was written that way. I think it just fit with the time period that they were focusing on, which is the 30s, I think. It was early. Yeah, but the thing I don't understand with his storyline angle, right? So... We're led to believe, like, he comes from money? Like, because yep. he comes, okay, so he, because he comes back, and if his, the, that was his, his uh, a mansion that he was in, like, that was that's right, mansion. so he's, he's got some huge estate with, I'm guessing, slaves, slaves, yeah, right, and so, who, who he seems to, like, the slaves all seem to, like, not care, and he doesn't, like, that's a weird uh, angle in and of itself that they didn't really depict overly like it just mm-hmm. i think some... we're meant to uh i think we're meant to think that he came back and basically it's not a functioning planta- uh, plantation anymore it's just kind of sitting there and they're just the slaves are there but the, he's just like just live and be you know like i don't care i'm not i'm not gonna work you guys in the fields i think that's what we're mentally he's just letting everything go because he doesn't care anymore yeah that's what i took from it yeah, I just I was curious about how he made money, right? Like, I think he aside just from because he's not golfing, he's not he just had money before. Like, I feel like that was never overly explained. I guess he probably just was kind of an aristocrat before he went over, though. So I think so. Anyways. I think yeah, they all. I, th- I think that whole he ran in the circles where they all came from money. Do yeah, you guys think enough. too, though, with his character, like that idea of the war piece too, like the patriot aspect, like a little bit of patriotism, a little bit of the American thing. The oh, Southern yeah. Pride. I it's also huge, thought huge. his character, I forgot to mention this, does a really good job of like paralleling the ups and downs of golf, the game itself that we've all played. Mm-hmm. You know, how he kind of follows the ebbs and flows of golf. And we all know through an 18 holes that 
we have great moments, we have low moments, and we have the one shot that makes us come back where we feel like we're a pro at one point. Yeah. So I feel like kind of his ups and downs in life kind of mimic his ups and downs and the ups and downs he goes through in golf. <clears throat> like, this guy goes through a range in golf. Like, yeah. holy cow. He's all over the place. Anyway, oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that in the first round through. And I was like, holy cow, this guy goes up and down. Let's uh, let's move on to Adele Invergordon, played by Charlize Theron. Uh, I had her as just like, she was resourceful in doing whatever she has to do in the era of a Great Depression, kind of being abandoned, so to speak, by her father to yeah. survive and make this work. Um, you know, she's in business essentially at a time, she's breaking gender barriers for that matter at the time. Um, she's going up against the, the old boys, so to speak, and that, you know, the, the tight knit clicks of business in the South, I'm assuming. Um, the Nescalosas of the world. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Great name. So she's doing a really good job of that, of basically when she says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get Hagen and Jones and they're going to play a charity thing. And she's, she's doing it. She's a visionary. I thought she was a pretty cool character. Um, yeah. I thought she had great chemistry, some great chemistry with the, class, the cast, some good scenes. Um, sometimes the accent from Theron a little bit once in a while, it was like an interesting Southern accent. Did you guys notice that? I know she's from South Africa. Did you guys find this accent a little bit interesting on that? I don't know. Like, I thought she pulled it off pretty well, but there was there were times, like especially in the emotional moments, because that's usually when you hear somebody from another country's accent sneak out a little bit. Yeah. But overall, I thought she did pretty well with it, though. I thought she nailed it pretty well. Yeah, I don't know what you guys thought of that one. Yeah, <clears throat> I had... Uh... She's a bit of a she's ch a charmer and she's also manipulative, right? She knows how yeah. to push buttons, right? When I was talking to Jones and Hagen, or she's talking to June on the bench there. Uh, I had she's yeah. principled when she uh, tries to uh, get Matt Damon to play in the uh, tournament and basically sleeping with him. So uh, you know she's she's uh, she's a bit of a vixen that way. I mean, uh, yeah. To your point about the accent, I don't know. I to be quite honest, I wasn't really listening for it. I just kind of was trying to enjoy it for what it was. Um, Shirley's my, my wife asked me what I thought of sure or what I think of Shirley's Theron, and I, she's just an absolute smoke show. Like she's beautiful, yeah. um, and so I mean I don't know if I, I and the other stuff I've seen her in I've enjoyed her in pretty much every other movie. I wasn't really paying attention to the accent to be quite honest with you. Yeah. That's fair. She's a great actress. She does. She yeah, does she really is. Yes. What was the one monster or whatever that she won yeah. the Oscar oh, for? Or something? Monsters Ball. Yeah. Or no, Monsters not not Monster. No, Ball. just Monster, Monster, was it? Monster. Monster. Yeah. yeah Monster <clears throat> Ball was uh, Halle Berry. Sorry. Uh, let's move on to Bagger Vance, played by Will Smith. Uh, this is an era of Will Smith I really like. I really like Will Smith around this time, uh, in these two thousand years. Um, I. Actually, you know what? I like a lot of Will Smith stuff. I still like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for that matter. Love, so, I love Fresh Prince. Um, so calm and cool. I had perfect guy for the role. Um, he did really well and knew how to just navigate waters all around him. And he was able to kind of man up Juna at a time so delicately, delicately, sorry, when Juna needed it. Um, just tell him, go ahead and quit. Because I can't quit. He's like, oh, go ahead and quit. No worries. Just put it, hook it into the air. We'll be down by whatever. Just doing things like that. Letting him fail, for example, like in the sand when he's like, if I eagle this, it's game over. He's like, you can't do that. Just things like that where you knew. And he's basically, he's just, he was perfect at like pulling the strings, so to speak, on Juna. I thought he was a really cool character. 
And it had been 20 years since I watched this movie, and I liked his character then, and I like this character now. So I thought he was pretty awesome. He's kind of a hustler, still smooth, but he that $5 at the end when he's like, I believe there's still only $5. And he's like, $5. <clears throat> Even back then. $5 guaranteed. $5 guaranteed. So really cool and the shoes. character. And the shoes. Yeah, that's right. And the shoes. <laughs> Very cool character, Web. Yeah. Uh, my hot take, I hate this character. I think he is completely over the top. I think it's completely corny. His lines are way too overdone and over talking. Not his, not Will Smith's part. I thought Will Smith acted it beautifully, but I think the writing was so over the top. The beautiful swing part, like, oh my God, just talking and talking and talking. I'm like, just shut up and let the guy swing. It would drive me insane. There, <laughs> uh, the whole authentic swing bit. Uh, it, I just found like there were so many parts that were with this particular character that would would not be believable to me. Number one, we're talking about the South in the 1930s and a black man having that kind of control over something like this, right? Where the, the mayor or Nescaloose or whatever is like, oh, you can't leave. And it's you're never going to caddy again. Like, really? That's going to be, you're going to do a lot more, probably worse than that, than just offer to not let him have a caddy job anymore. So I don't know. I just I didn't find the character believable. I know it's supposed to be based based. The whole movie is loosely based around him, but I yeah. I don't like it. In retrospect, I you're uh, twenty years ago when I first watched him, I thought, yeah, you know what? I got I, now I watch it. I just think it's corny. I just I don't know. I didn't like it. I, I totally agree with what you were saying about the racial aspects and stuff like that. But I do think he's incredibly important to the movie and the way it's written. You know it. I know his name's in the title of it, um, but like it's the entire story is based on an an, an old. Uh, uh, we're gonna get it into it a little bit later on in uh, little known facts, but the whole story is based on an an old Hindu um, folklore, basically thing about. Uh, and I'll and I'll kind of get more into it. So the way it's written is very accurate to that depiction, and. Oh, the only thing I would do differently, though, here's what I would do differently, and I and I agree with you, Webb. I I think there's there's some really good lines, but they probably instead of having like a two minute speech, it could have been like one minute. You know what I mean? Like just trim it down a bit. Um, and I, he does tend to repeat himself in a couple of scenes about the swing, so they could trim a lot of that back, and probably would be maybe an hour and fifty minutes instead of a two hour movie or whatever, or an hour and forty five minutes instead of two hour. So I, I totally agree with that. I think Will Smith did an awesome job. And here's the change I would have made if I was writing it. You know how uh, Beggar Vance is clearly a tangible human? Like he's mm -hmm. clearly someone that's there that's existing, right? Mm -hmm. The change that I would have made is I would have made it so that it was vague, not explained. But I wouldn't have had anybody converse with Beggar except for Matt Damon. So that you would have been left as a user, uh, as a viewer, to be like, was this person in Matt Damon's head, or was he legitimately a person? Hundred percent. I thought about the same thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I would have had it. Yeah. I, I would have had it differently and set up differently in that way. So Which I would have. Beg... Sorry. So I probably would have had uh, Hardy carry the clubs in the way I would have had like Bagger say, "You carry the clubs. I'm going to work with Mr. Juna here." You know. And then Bagger would just be walking and giving him advice. And Matt Damon would be conversing with him. But you never see anybody else factor into that. You know what I mean? So he would have still had the exact same amount of 
uh, show on screen and all of that. But at the end of it, you would have been like, was he real or was he not? And there, it would never be explained whether he is. And it's up to the, it's up to the viewer to make that determination. That's the only see, difference you have done. See, Jamer, I still sometimes wonder if Bayer Vance was that type of character and a Matt Damon in his head. I wondered that, too. It was all in yeah. his head. The fact the that, that, that makes that you think of he, that. He does speak to Hardy. He speaks to Nescalusa. He speaks to... Uh, Adele. He does, but you wonder even if that's Matt Damon and saying in his own head, okay, yeah. he's all done, he's shaking hands with these guys, okay, I'm done with this guy. Yeah. And the only thing I can say back to that, Web is in regards to the slow talking, he's talking to a really damaged individual here. You yeah. can't just say, fix this, fix this, fix this. You no, have no. to go slow and put baby gloves on this guy, because he no, has damaged I, I, goods. Yeah, I get all that. And to your point, Jamer, again, I think they try to hint at that kind of thought at the very last scene right where the old guy where jack lemon actually we think has died right yeah, from a heart yeah. attack and he's walking towards bagger and i mean bagger was older and he was a kid and so like yes bagger could have been a dead ghost at this point but like that's what just, my that's what my take was too oh it was just, at the end. that's the field of dreams so, moment right there yeah that was a little much. i give you easy. on that one that's all that i just i don't know i thought like i said here's, here's the other thing too webb we're, we all, we all, we've all played lots of golf and we've been around golf and know about some of the metaphors he was using with regards to the swing and stuff. The people that don't know golf maybe don't get that because I actually watched it with Cleo and she didn't, she doesn't know anything about golf, right? So she, she found those scenes kind of interesting where he was talking about the golf swing being like uh, when the crowd blends away. That's yeah. kind of corny, right? Like everybody knows mm -hmm. you focus your vision and the crowd blends away. Um, I mean, that's mental toughness one-on-one. But, like, Cleo's watching, and she's like, oh, look at everyone's disappearing, and he's just focusing on the on the fairway. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's like, if you really, like, if you're, there's a lot of distractions, you narrow your focus. So I think for some people that would be enlightening, but, mm. yeah, for a lot of people that are like, I've heard this many times before, that would be corny, and you know what I mean? For, for sure. the average non-grumpy individual, it would probably be great, but for... <laughs> Me grumpiness. You're not wrong. You're definitely just not saying. wrong. I'm You're just saying. <laughs> I, it, I I think it would. I, I was generally, and I mean, we'll get into this, but I, the one of the bigger, big gripes I have about this movie, and I think it was similar to one of the other movies we did. There's no real central main character to me in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it jumps around. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like Una is kind of but... kind of, but like again, because it's told through. Hardy's perspective like it, it's I don't know it's different speaking of which let's jump into Hardy Greaves now played by J. Michael Moncrief uh, again thought another pretty cool character cute but tough <clears throat> um, he had some pretty good lines some pretty good quotes uh, he had a good scene with Juna in the locker room and Juna kind of talked about to him about the uh, love that scene. speech to Hardy that was a really good speech um I had him as a cool kid. Jack Lemon being in there was pretty awesome doing the thing with him. I thought that was pretty neat to see, and that was kind of his swan song, basically. So yeah, he died. I thought sure, that yeah. was pretty neat to see and hear. Um, I he did a really good job of for a young kid of carrying that many lines. You don't see that yeah. that often. A lot of lines and a lot of scenes, and he held it really well the whole time. So I think you know a lot of credit goes out to that. He's very plucky. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, and that's, one of the words, that's one of the words I had to, uh, to yeah. describe him. <laughs> the ability to hold. I give a lot of credit. Maybe the best job done of any actor might have been that one right there. Just the age and the maturity would have taken and like how long you would have had to, you know, the shots and the shoot and all that to hold and do it for as long as you did at that age. There's a lot of credit. And, you know, I feel like, you know, having him on, you know, with Beggar on the bag, you know, in a big golf tournament, it kind of helps with the hometown feel too. Of you know, Savannah, great town by the way. If you ever go to Savannah, Georgia, guys, go. Great. Yeah, we town. had our when I played in Augusta, we had our year end party in Savannah, Georgia, and we did oh. a we did a casino cruise. Oh, nice. What me a town. And, uh, me and my buddy uh, went to the thrift store and got matching green leather jackets. Like we dressed up like seventies gear. We had like shades on. It was an absolute <laughs> disaster. <laughs> Yeah, you have the chance, listeners. Go! It's an awesome place, yeah. um, and I think he did a good job of just. I think having a young kid in the deep south, I think that really helps with the thick southern accent. I think it helps the whole mantra of the whole movie, so to speak, with the young kid. Anything like that, web. Yeah, I loved his. I was gonna say the pluckiness, his wholesomeness, and his like innocence, right? And he and he try. You see that in key moments and his innocence is what um kind of gives you kind of hope for other characters right like when when he's all pissed off about his dad being a street sweeper and is embarrassed by it and then matt damon tears a strip off him and basically sets him straight like and it's it's really just a kid kind of not knowing any better right like the things mm -hmm. that, that his dad's had to do and sacrifice and you see him like when he goes and he stands with him while before that putt and he's like proud again of his dad like there's a there's a sim, uh simplicity about it and like an innocence that i just i love this character i love i thought exactly what you said jr like the kid did a fantastic job uh acting i'd be curious what did you say the actor's name was uh jay michael moncrief i haven't really seen him in much else but i was gonna say he, he the name doesn't sound familiar but mm. uh yeah he did a fantastic job i like the character a lot i think uh this the kid himself did a lot to bring some uh some validity to the like the heartfelt moments of the story absolutely 100 mm -hmm. let's move on to uh walter hagen played by bruce mcgill veteran of the uh, love bruce mcgill in a oh, lot man. of different roles i even like him as jack from the old macgyver back in the day so i can't it. say enough good things about it uh <laughs> what a job what just what a job playing like the party golfer that a lot of us wish we could be uh the whole the look everything about it the slick back hair the fancy rides Oh, I love how he like wanted this when he was shooting off the sand. <clears throat> Quick, give me a cigarette first. I love yeah. that guy ripping darts and hitting golf balls. Everything about this guy I like. Even the fact with the um, the uh, uh, the greasy businessman part of him with all the exhibitions. And I'm like, I'll do this. You'll do that. He's a businessman. He's hustling. He's doing what he has to do back in the day in the Great Depression to make money. So I thought, yeah, nice job of Miguel. And just... A very cool story with him and Walter Hagen. And he, I read on a little bit that he got into exhibitions and basically that was like how he started making his bank, so to speak. Yeah. Using he was like the Babe Ruth of golf at that time. Yeah, he was a barnstormer essentially too. Yeah. And you're like, this guy is literally the Babe Ruth of golf. And just the whole mantra when he sits up, up to the bar, he gets, I thought Webb would like a double scotch. That's for, uh, that, that was something Webb would like. Scotch, maybe. And just the, the whole persona he brought, very, very cool Webb. Yeah, greasy car salesman, ultimate showman, uh, and you know a bit of a, a bit of a self indulgent prick at times too. But uh, 
Fantastic job by Miguel. I got not, uh, not a whole lot to add. He was good. His golf swing was shit, but uh, <laughs> he was okay. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Bobby Jones, played by Joel Gretsch. So everything Hagen was, Jones was in his own way as well. First of all, this guy is handsome. Oh, Holy God. Cow. Yeah. The guy who played him, like, God, is a handsome guy. There's there's not too many movies where you have young Matt Damon where he gets upstaged by another guy. This yeah, guy. Jay, we were talking about this today. Like, Jamer yeah. brought that. I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so his story is so cool. Um, the Augusta National piece helping design it, the whole piece of him in Georgia. Jamie can go on a little bit later about the Georgia factor and Bobby Jones, but man, oh man, what a cool character. Yeah. And like, he's that overachiever you would have grown up with who just was good at everything. Unbelievable. And just the whole morals of him. Uh, I thought it was a pretty cool scene with Juno where he's like, yeah, I'm all done, Juno. And then Juno's like, I'm not going to let you win or whatever. No, I wouldn't have another way. I thought that was just neat. And yeah. he just epitomized the class aspect of golf. Club. Yep. He's Ben Hogan before Ben Hogan, right? Like there and Arnold Palmer before Arnold Palmer and, you know, the, yeah. I'm not going to mention the other guy because, you know, mega. But uh, yeah. he, he, he is that Word. guy, right? And as far as the, the, the actors go, like you said, he's, this guy's a man rocket too. I think of all the actors, this guy had the best golf swing. Great swing. Uh, yes. It was very fluid, very smooth. Um, Matt Damon's, and I know we'll probably talk about it later, Matt Damon's a little bit jerky, and Hagen's was kind of all over the place, but... Yeah, this guy's golf swing was just really smooth. He must have watched some tape or something because he yeah. was, or I don't know, he must play. I don't know, but he, his his swing was pretty pretty silky and pretty smooth. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add. The only thing I'll just mention is uh, the writers did a really good job of, because the movie was fictional, but they brought these two actual true-to-life people into the movie, the characters, Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen. I thought that was kind of neat how they blended that story. And everything that, uh, uh, what's her name, Adele Invergordon says during her speech, whether on the stage, about their back history, that's all true about both Hagen and Jones. Like, that's how incredible Jones was, that he was able to accomplish all that he did in the game of golf while he was getting three different degrees and is building a law practice and doing all that stuff. He was just an incredible individual that did so many things in such a tough time. Uh, or when you hear about people like that, do you not just sit there and wonder like when they sleep? That's that's yeah. exactly what I think about. Like I just sit there, I'm like, how the hell do you like? Do you have like 29 hours in your day? Like how does that work for you? Yeah, I'm always seriously. curious. I don't know how you can accomplish that much in such a short period of time, but yeah, he's just and down in Augusta, Georgia, he's he's a god down there. Like his name is on everything. They renamed the the stretch of interstate that goes through there, the Bobby Jones Highway. Like it's, he's, he's a legend down in Georgia still to this day. Uh, are there any other notable characters that stand out for you guys? Uh, I like the, the four old guys there who kind of ran the town behind the scenes, the peanut yeah. gallery there and tons of other shows. I can't remember all the names off the heart of my head. Nescaluso but. is the, the headliner there. Oh that guy, man. That guy that played him, uh, Peter, uh, Goretti, he's in all kinds of stuff too. Um, he's in the uh, sneaky Pete. You watch that. Yeah. Web. yeah. He's the, he's the grandpa. Yeah, he's your he's your typical wet blanket prototypical politician. Yeah, uh, I yeah. had two other ones. So, or Jr., are you done? Sorry, I didn't. Want yeah, to no, yeah, all the all good guys. I was gonna say I had two other. I actually like uh, Hardy's dad. 
I find it, I find him very noble. And I, I like the fact that he, he, you know, w- is willing to go to those lengths just to keep his, his store and everything else afloat. And then the other person I had was, uh, Anna May for her dedication to the game of golf. <laughs> Classic. That was, uh, Hagen's, uh, secretary or whoever that yeah. was. Yeah. Oh, that's I don't know. Funny. She, she was one hell of a hole. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she didn't topple to the floor of being so top heavy. Uh, let's jump into quotes. What are some uh, some of the quotes that stood out for you guys? Uh, I had uh, one caddy to carry his clubs, two caddies to carry him home. I thought that was so funny when I heard that quote. I loved it. Uh, sorry, the uh, let the ball go in, uh, less passer. Uh, embarrassing for quite some time now when Beggar said that. He's embarrassing. Yeah. He's a bit embarrassing for quite some time now. And uh, anybody drinking when Hagen said that. And they were golfing. Anybody drink it? Because you know he wanted one. He wanted a quick breakfast uh, cocktail about that. I thought he was pretty funny. Lev. Yeah, uh, I like the one. The I think it's one of the opening lines in the movie. Terrific shot him in the woods again. I spend more times there in the trees and the squirrels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in that same spiel when he's talking about having a heart attack at Augusta National, uh, the whole time I just thought to myself, not a bad place to go if you're going to kick the bucket. Yeah. If you're going to uh, go. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what I have. Wouldn't know a putter from a pussy willow. Uh, who'd you take your clothes off for Chattanooga when Matt Damon's, uh, what else I have? Uh, this is where we're, where it's going to be one when they're talking about the green, when beggars doing the walkover with his bare feet. I mean, you know, drive for show, putt for dough, uh, kind of thing. Uh, and then the line you kind of talked about it, uh, JR, when, uh, Matt Damon says, I'm not asking for your crown, Walter, if I wanted it bad enough, I'll just take it. I yeah, just have down beside it, pure cock and balls move, and then he goes and kisses Charlize Theron like a boss. Yeah. Like, just fires him up. I liked it. Yeah, uh, corny, but I liked it. What about this one, too, where beggars that I set myself directly in front of you, and I thought that's the best place to be. <laughs> it's true, because we've all had those moments where the best place in front of me on the golf course, or the best place near me on the golf course is right in front. You never know where it's going once in a while. <clears throat> yeah. No, I thought uh, one of the one of the speeches I really like, and I think it's in the trailer that we heard earlier, which is the one about how drunk is drunk enough, talking about brain cells. Yeah, uh, that was a good one. Um, the one where um, Beggar says something about you've got you've got a choice; you can either stop or you can start. I thought that was a really powerful one because mm-hmm. he's and uh, and I think that it, it parallels the one that uh, everybody keeps saying to him. Uh, you know, talking about his past and talking about this hiatus that he's kind of taken from reality, really, uh, where he's he's saying that's in his mind it's so long ago, but for everyone else it's just a moment ago, because he was that's how much he meant to Savannah. He was this hero. He was kind of their heartbeat, and he went and when he kind of you know went into the shadows it really had a big impact on it. So for everybody, they were kind of just waiting for him. So for, for them, it's just a moment ago. And for him, it's so long ago. So I thought that kind of, that whole tied into that. And, uh, the other one I had was, uh, the one where <laughs> he was telling you, ta- you mentioned it a little bit earlier where he said, you just go ahead and snap it over into the left there. And we'll, I'll tell, <laughs> tell everyone you, you got sick and went home and he's like, you know, I can't quit. And he's like, I, I know, I know. I just want to make sure you know that that was kind of a big moment for him. It's like, Basically, sack up. Let's go here. We got a job to do. Yeah. And then the last one I had was uh, uh, $5 guaranteed. 
<laughs> I, that made me think of uh, Terry Ryan Sr. <laughs> oh, that's right. Five grand. Oh, bring, don't bring your lawyer. <laughs> Five grand. Don't, oh, my God. Serious, on a serious note, though, how intimidating is that 18th hole? Oh, You're teeing oh. off with that hazard in front of you. Yeah, like oh, I, I, I said to Sarah, I, I've forgotten about this movie, and I said, oh, my God, that is one hell of a hole. She's like, what is that? You just got to hit it over the water. I'm like, yeah, but there's some kind of mind fuck there when you have to tee off yeah. and you hit driver especially, and you're like, oh, if I top this one or if I cut <laughs> yeah. it the wrong way or it's gone in the lake, you're just, yeah. yeah there's not a lot of room for air there. Same with the, that hole up. I think it's Pebble Beach where they have to, the big dog leg left around the water. Uh, Bay Hill, I think. The Bay one. Hill. Bay Hill, that's yeah. it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah that, that one would really mind fuck me as well. <clears throat> Let's jump into some little-known facts. So, originally, the lead roles were going to be played by Morgan Freeman and Robert Redford. But after care- careful consideration, Redford decided that the movie would work much better with younger men playing Beggar Vance and Randolph Juna. I think that's. I'm. Th- I'm glad they did that. I mean, I yep. think. I think you could have easily had Morgan Freeman play Will Smith's role. Mm-hmm. But I think you can't have Robert Redford play Randolph Juna. It's just, he's too old. You know what? That's a nice move of just like a passing the torch to like pass along a little bit and let someone else kind of do some roles and you open them up to different people. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if how much I would have seen uh, Morgan Freeman doing it because I feel like he would have been, I mean, he's great in everything he does. Let's be honest. But <clears throat> I feel like there was something, um, the relationship between Matt Damon's character and Bagger Vance there, because they're, we'll say, relatively around the same age at this time. I mean, I know Will Smith's obviously older, but he seems... I feel like there would have been a noticeable age gap with Morgan Freeman and Matt Damon at this time, and it would have been... It wouldn't have played off as well. I feel like if, there was something for me about having Bagger be somewhat younger that made yeah. sense. If you were going to do the <clears throat> kind of ghost thing, Jamer... You'd go with Morgan Freeman, totally. Yeah. Make it blatantly obvious. You'd have Morgan yeah. Freeman as like the that makes sense, voice yeah. of reason here. That's who I would go with. That's I just think said he would have been the sage voice of wisdom still, because he would have been older, right? Because he's right. brilliant. And he's brilliant. I just picture Morgan Freeman playing the character like he did with uh, uh, Prince of Tides when he was mm-hmm. Robin, kind of guy there. Uh, so Matt Damon did not have any previous golf experience, uh, which you can kind of see as you were kind of mentioning about his swing, eh, Web? Um, yeah. So he spent a month with uh, golf pro Tim Moss in Hilton Head, South Carolina, to prepare for the role. Moss was well-known throughout South Carolina golfing community, having worked as a PGA master teaching professional at several local courses. Sadly, Moss passed away in 2016 at the age of 66. Is Hilton Head the course where the movie's filmed? Uh, I do have a note about that. There's two courses that they shot in South Carolina, uh, but no, it wasn't a, one. Not they won't. It wasn't at Hilton Head. They're both uh, very I'll, nice courses. I'll just mm-hmm. mention that now. So the golf scenes were shot on two co- courses in South Carolina. The Pete Dye course on the Colleton oh, River, uh, Colleton River Plantation in Bluffton, and the Ocean course on, uh, Ki- I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Kiowa, Ki- Kiowa? Kiowa? Kiowa. Kiowa Island. Yeah. That's the locations for the courses. That is one, I think that course uh has been home to pga championships i think i remember playing it on like i had a pc golf game back in like the early yeah. 90s and it's I think in one of the tiger woods golf too is it oh yeah, okay. i'm pretty sure it's that one nice so 
Bagger Vance, so, so this is kind of talking about where the actual story came from. So Bagger Vance and uh, Randolph, Randolph Juna are representations of Bhagavan Krishna and Arjuna from the uh, Hindu text of the Bhagavad, the Bhagavad Gita. The lessons, the lessons learned by Juna are loosely based on those Krishna teaches to Arjuna while masquerading as his lowly chariot driver. So this is taken from a, an ancient uh, Hindu text, which kind of, I think they mostly followed it from what I was reading, some of the, some of the historical stuff I was reading about it. Although why there's the, the Hagen's got like a Indian caddy, doesn't he? I think, yeah, he is. I think that's yeah. kind of a nod. I tried to. I actually tried to research it to see if he actually did have a like an Indian caddy that he brought around. I couldn't find anything about it, so I'm assuming mm -hmm. that's some type of a nod to the to the original story. The original story it makes sense. Yeah. So, although the film is based on fiction, both Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen were real golfers. Jones was the more famous because, among other things, he founded the Masters Tournament in Augusta, Georgia, as you, you mentioned that earlier, AJR. <laughs> Brad Pitt was offered the role of Randolph Juna, but he turned it down. What do you think uh, Brad Pitt would have, how, how would he have done this role? Uh, he'd be fine. You know what? He's Brad Pitt. He'd pull it off. He would figure it out. He would yeah. practice. He'd look great. He'd do it. He'd, do, he'd look fantastic doing it. He'd pull off a southern accent. He'd do it. He would have killed it. I think he would have stole the show more. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I just think he's a different level actor, in my opinion. At, yeah, at that time, you're getting into the big-time heavyweights. Like, I mean, Damon obviously was big back then, too, but you're still... He wasn't, like, as big as he is now, but Brad Pitt at that point was huge. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. yeah if, if Brad Pitt would have done the role, I think you're right. He would have stood out. You would have been able to say, like, yeah, the, this is actually... The story is around this guy. Like, I think it would have been more noticeable as him being the main guy. Yep. So the film cast includes three Oscar winners, Matt Damon, Charlize Theron, and Jack Lemmon, and one Oscar nominee, Will Smith. Um, Rachel Portman also won an Oscar, so she, she did the soundtrack. So, so there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of gold involved in this movie, which is probably why the budget was $80 million. The final acting role uh, was actually, this was the final acting role for Jack Lemmon, which he, he passed away shortly after. I don't even know if he made it through to production, but I know he he passed away shortly after this movie was released, <clears throat> potentially. Uh, there, there's one thing about Jack Lemmon that was cool, too. The very first line in the movie, when he's on the tee, he, I forget what the line was, but he says something along the line, something along the lines of, like, um, it's showtime, or one of these things like that. Uh, and apparently that used to be his opening line when he'd come out on the stage as a stand-up comedian. So mm -hmm. they, they kind of included that in there as like a nod to Jack Lemmon and his career, which I thought was kind of neat. That's awesome. Just a little, a little subtle thing, right? Mm -hmm. So the film uh, is set in 1931. As the real Bobby Jones won golf's Grand Slam in 1930, uh, which consists of winning four major tournaments in the same calendar year. So they, they she... Um, Adele Invergordon makes reference of that. She says last year he won the Grand Slam of golf. So that was, that was realistic and from what the time was set. So at the time, pre-Masters golf tournament, the four majors were the United States Amateur Championship, the Amateur Championship, which is the British Open, the Open Championship at the U.S. Open Championship, 
Um, and as of 2021, Bobby Jones is the only man to win the Grand Slam. Tiger Woods won four tournaments, making up the modern-day Grand Slam consecutively. However, it was over two calendar years. Yeah, Tiger Slam. The Tiger Slam, yeah. So the scene in which Randolph's ball moves and the officials are trying to get him to say it was a, a trick of light or that he imagined it is based on an actual incident that involved Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen. In 1925, Jones was challenging for the U.S. Open Championship at Worcester Country Club in Worcester, Massachusetts. On the 11th hole, as he addressed his ball in the rough, it appeared to move. It was determined that no one else saw the infraction, including his fellow competitors, Gene Sarazen and Walter Hagen, and the marshals left it up to Jones as to whether or not the foul should be called. Jones called the breach on himself, and after the marshal announced the stunning act of sportsmanship to the crowd, Jones replied, Do you commend a bank robber for not robbing a bank? No, you don't. This is how the game of golf should be played at all times. He eventually lost the tournament by one stroke. I think that speaks to the character of Bobby Jones. What a that's why he's remembered today. Yeah. That's right. He, he, had, like, he has integrity. That's right. There's some nobility to that, right? Yeah. And everything I've ever read about Bobby Jones, there's just so many stories like that where he's just like, he was he was kind of like a, a one of a kind, one of those people that you look back on in history and you're like, wow, what an amazing individual. So, mm -hmm. Let's jump into our realism review. What did you find realistic and what was unrealistic? Uh. All right, I had, so some of the things I have is for the realism I had, you know, the heartache of golf, the ups that we have talked about this already, just the complete overall, the mental grind to go through in golf and in a game of golf over the course of, you know, three and a half hours or so, uh, that putting wins, and we always talked about that, uh, you know, the aspect of, you know, your love lost after the war and kind of losing touch with people, I thought that was very real. Uh, advice from your caddy. I thought the clothing was amazing. I yeah. love the clothing and the attire from the era that they wore. I thought it was fantastic. Um, some of the swings, you know, there was, yeah, I had the, the quality of swings were okay in regards to some of the fake, uh, the shot through the trees that um, Junior yeah. made. I don't no know way. that one, but I've tried. <laughs> I think, Jamer, your line is trees are 80% air, JR, and you can go through. <laughs> Except it's not goal, it, his, so I rewound that and watched that same, because I had that note too, JR, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I had no that problem. same note, and I'm like, there's no way that line, with him being a righty, he's making that shot. Not a chance in hell. Like, I rewound it and watched it four times. It's no. not happening. Not Maybe with for a left. No, maybe for a lefty he's getting through, but not for a righty. It, no, even if he was a lefty, you got to hit that thing through a tight window. There's yes, but a lefty at least has more of a chance of getting it through than the righty. No chance. Yeah, none. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. There's a, a tree on the left hand side that's hanging over that he's not getting. No, a couple of other false things I had were like to get your swing back and get that good that quick. I don't know, guys. That doesn't. I don't know if that happens. Maybe it does. I don't know. Essentially, uh, against Tiger Woods, or like at 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 this. You're day, playing Mickelson and like, Woods. You're playing, you're playing against, against top top guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like I put that playing the top dogs right away. Uh, the shots of the trees. Okay, so and there was a couple other ones that I noticed is so Juno would shoot last on tees, and I'm like, it just showed him winning holes. Like, did you guys not notice some of that? Maybe I'm wrong on that, but it would show him like winning a hole, and I'm like, he mm -hmm. just. Yeah. He's always teeing off last. I'm, like, I'm not I mean, sure. I'm not sure if they had different rules back then about like if they just had an order. 
Hey, from a guy who tees off last a lot, I know that he's not. <laughs> well, I, I know that, but I think uh, they made a big deal about the order of who's going to tee off. So I, th- mm. I think I think maybe back in the day, they always just stuck with the order. Oh, I don't okay. think so. I feel like that's always been a rule, but you I, may be right. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of let it slide, but I don't know. You, anyway, it's good those are some stuff. of the stuff I had. Those are some of the things I had, Blaze. Yeah, I was going to say, you got pretty much all the same ones I had. Uh I talked about the, the 18th tee over the water. I mean, there's all kinds of holes like that. Like Crowbush, there's a couple of those that I can think of, not over water, but over a gully and things like that. They're a little bit of a mind fuck from the tee blocks. Prince Edward uh, Island, folks. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, the only thing I'm going to mention, the driver iron, uh, This both scenes with the driving iron, right, where he keeps it down out of the wind for control, totally realistic. Uh, yeah. And then the second time where he's in the bunker and he thinks he's going to get there in two, you know, that cockiness sometimes when you're yeah. feeling it, you're in the flow. <laughs> uh, that, 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 yeah, exactly. The tin cup moment where you just, oh yeah, I can get there in two. And then you end up being like four and you're like, oh shit, I should have just laid up and done what I should have done. Played it smart. Uh, that happens to everybody. And I love, uh, I love uh, Hardy's reaction because everybody's been there where they're watching it and they're like, don't, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then I thought, yeah, I just said, uh, the guy, the kid or the guy that played Bobby Jones had a hell of a swing. Yeah. I have, I just have one comment to add and it's an unrealistic one. When baggers explaining that how the grass shifts from the morning to the afternoon and how putts are going to roll one way in the morning and the same putts going to roll. That's not how it works. It's, it's breaks. It's Mm -hmm. like the elevation of the greens and the uh, grading of the greens. That's what's going to make the ball break. It's not going to be the way the grass shifts in the morning and the night. I I will say this too for the, I guess, maybe unrealistic things. Uh, And this is comparing it to modern day. So again, take it for a grain of salt. Where they have the pin placement on the 18th hole and where Matt Damon has to putt from, when you watch that putt and the breaks in that putt, there's no... Way that they would put a make a putt that ridiculous on Sunday from no. the 18th. They might, but like, yeah, that's that's another hole. Another hole, sure, probably not on 18. That's a grumpy games uh, groundskeeper. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's my brethren right there. Like, <laughs> good on them, but like, <laughs> you know, uh, at the Amherstview Golf and Country Club. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing country about that place. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the only thing I thought was kind of kind of weird, but I could in in thinking back on it now, I could definitely see it because a, it's America, uh, and b it's the set when when Jones and Hagen show up and there's like the pre uh, tournament kind of like press conference, if you will, whatever. Like there's a lot of pomp and circumstance for this tournament. Um, in a depression era and, and like it was so over the top I'm like how much money would really be able to be spent in this but then I got thinking Good like yeah. this is like the make or break thing for this town yeah uh, it's a so, big deal so maybe they're like yeah we gotta go all out yeah. yeah these are the same towns that spend money on jumbotrons over that's what I mean so I mean after I was thinking about it a little bit more I'm like yeah it's probably more realistic than I'm giving it credit for Southern yeah. Pride is huge. Like Southern Pride is legit and it's huge and they go full out. So I will I thought, to that. I thought there would be a little bit more hate for the whole Yankee piece too, right? With the Northern guys coming down. I thought there'd be a little bit more uh, uh, 
I don't know I think what. You're desperate because it's the Great Depression at that point. But. Yeah. So, mm. Good point, though. It's a good point. Let's jump into the soundtrack. So the music was composed by Academy Award-winning composer Rachel Portman. Portman has scored over 100 movies, including The Joy Luck Club, Emma, The Cider House Rules, uh, JR's favorite movie, Chocolat. And, uh, <laughs> oh, Chocolat. Thank you. <laughs> get and enough. Smile. What did you guys think of the soundtrack? Uh, I thought it was fine. Um, music pretty brief on these. Good. Didn't everything I wanted to do the era of this time. Nothing great. Nothing crazy stood out to me. I'm not going to lie. Maybe I'm missing stuff, but to me, nothing really stood out to me. There's no pop music, so it's hard to like, or popular <laughs> music, so it's hard to really like go digging in on that. It's perfect mm-hmm. soundtrack music for this time. I guess the only thing I would have liked to maybe see a little bit more would be like some authentic kind of like late 20s, 30s music. Like even yeah. when they're, I guess, but like. Uh, they had, like I think they had a couple of good tracks where they were like the ragtime music. It was. I didn't think there was as much like the scene where he's playing cards in the back with the with the plantation guys. Like there was an opportunity there for some like I don't know muddy waters or kind of like some. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, like you know what I mean. Like a little bit more. That would have been a good scene for it. Yeah, like a little bit more reference there. But I mean, it was really what the hell do I know? I haven't won an Oscar for a soundtrack, obviously. But yeah. like I thought there was some opportunities where you could have put popular music especially if their budget was as ridiculous as it was yeah right i mean i guess they would have been paying the actors because they had some big name actors but still you had a pretty big budget for this movie you could have. yeah i thought uh i thought they did a really good job with like the the golf scene overtures like yeah when, uh, when they do one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they focus in i know it's kind of corny but when they focus in on bobby jones's when he's like fix your eyes on bobby jones and he's He's into his like routine and his focus because that's that's what all good pros are like, right? Like they you, they flip yes. the switch and it's just like now they're in the zone. Like you you can't even like I've played with some guys where like they you they are unrecognizable when they're in the zone. Like it's just it's a thing, right? And so when they Bob just have field, a, he's in the field or whatever, like yeah, he's got his pre-shot routine that he just sticks to, Bob. and it it helps. It's that it's that whole uh, piece of you know. Uh, familiarity brings success kind of thing, right? Yes. Like, the more you practice that thing. Yeah, like, I never actually figured that out. I was always... I had too much anxiety, and I didn't know how to cope with it. I didn't realize that routine actually helps people deal with anxiety. So, but, so, it, that's why I always loved that shit. And, like, the music they were playing through those things, and when he goes on his run, I thought it was just... It was tastefully done. It was... The music's kind of, like... When you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Beggar Man. It's, like, it's pretty good music. Uh, let's jump into our movie wrap-up. Where does this rank among all-time golf movies? Where do you have it on all-time sports movies? Golf movies, I have it in probably my top four. Um, yeah, I just like the actors in it. it enter- I still like the story. I love that era of time. I never really mentioned that yet. I just love the time frame. I, do. I love the. I do. I love the music, the clothing. I love how simple it was. And, I mean, this is a different sport, but, like, I love baseball. And I loved baseball from that oh, era, too. Yeah. And I just... That whole... Everything a lot about it, the trains. They don't see trains, but just the automobiles I love. So I got to put it top, probably top four in golf for sure. Uh, it's probably a top 35 overall. I just, it's my kind of era, my kind of time that I love. Fair enough. I, I agree with the, the, the nostalgia for the time period, right? Like we talked a lot about this when we talked about the natural, right? Um, mm-hmm. And in even a, a league of their own, like that kind of time frame. Uh, there's something so simple and so sentimental about that time, right? Like you just, yeah. 
people are just genuine people at this point in time, right? There's nothing like kind of getting them in the way from just being decent, hardworking people. Um, so there's something really kind of nice. I would say golf wise, <clears throat> I was trying to think of other golf movies. I think I've got it at like probably five or six, anywhere between five and 10, but I'm going to say five or six. Uh, and then in terms of all time, like before I would have probably put it in my top 50. Uh, after rewatching it now, I think it's probably closer to like in the eighties. Uh, it's just, I found again, I found a lot of the Will Smith stuff. Just, it was too corny for me. I just couldn't rewatch. I was like, Oh, shut up. Like, just stop. Like, <laughs> We get it. Yeah, the authentic swing. Like, it was just, I don't know. To, I mean, to your point, Jamer, you made earlier, like, with Cleo just, like, phasing all that out. I don't know. It just seemed really cliched. Yep. Uh, That's and a I lot mean, of there was a, Yeah, a lot and, and it just, I found it kind of long, uh, to be quite honest with you. Uh, yeah. and it was okay, but it was, you know, I don't know. I thought the kid was the best part of the movie, to be quite honest. He was great. He was yeah. really I actually have this one quite high. I have it number two in golf, and I have it number 12 overall. And the reason I have it is uh, so high is I remember watching this in the theater, and I really liked it when it first came out. I, I thought the act, I like the actors. Like uh, all these all these actors, I like Mac Damon. I like Will Smith. I love Robert Redford and movies that he directs. Uh, the romanticism of golf, the spiritual connection, kind of the life lessons the whole thing the, i thought the soundtrack really flowed nicely with it uh, i just thought it was a beautifully done movie with a lot of depth beyond the sport even though there is a lot of cliches and i totally agree with you web on that um and i but i think there's a lot to think about beyond the movie although i would have done i would have written things differently and i already went into that earlier with how i would have written that character with beggar vance uh, i would have just i would have left more to the viewer to try to determine whether they were an actual person or not but yeah, overall, I, I, did, I do enjoy the movie. I liked it. I, I went into it with a clear mind thinking I haven't watched this in a long time, and it, it kind of stood up for me, so I, I've got it there. Is this one you own, Jim? Yes, I have this one on DVD as well. So this week, again, we're doing a draft, and uh, sticking kind of with the theme of this movie, this week's draft topic is, if you could pick any celebrity that isn't connected to the world of golf, to be your caddy in a match, who would it be? So if you pick a celebrity that's not connected to the world of golf to be your caddy in a match, who would it be? And this week, it's you, right, Webb? No, JR, then you, then me. JR, then me, then Webb. Okay. For the, for the viewers slash listeners at home, Webb is coming into this one cold. I have not put any thought into this ahead of time. So No excuses. Partly because I totally forgot about it, but let's go. <laughs> Losers make excuses. Winners find ways. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's Good right. Go. You hear all about the cliches. I'll rip them off. Losers okay, always worry about their best. Winners yeah. Fuck the prom. Yeah. Queen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here we go. So first overall pick. This one, um, a little bit different for you guys, but I'm going to go with a Canadian. Mm. He's an MVP in his chosen sport. Wow. Smart. Intelligent, easygoing, but at the same time would tell you what you really need to hear at a time and would be very delicate in doing it. Love soccer or football, as you would say. Had a brother who was a great football player. Boys, my caddy, Steve Nash, first overall. Wow. Interesting. He certainly pick. turned James Harden around. 
Was on Steve Nash right off although, the Steve, Although Mike D'Antoni might be helping with that. I thought you were going to go with that goaltender, Forrest, whatever his name was. From uh, Remember that Canadian uh, soccer goalie? It was on soccer. Oh, uh, um, oh yeah, with soccer. Greg Forrest. Greg, Greg Forrest. Thank you, Ed. I was like, wow, Greg that's Forrest. coming out of the woodwork. Greg yeah. Forrest. I remember Steve Nash loves footy. That's all I remember that's Steve Nash. He loves footy. Oh, Good my point. God. I think he's got part ownership in the Vancouver Whitecaps team. As he should. I would, too, if it was fun. If you love it, go ahead. You got his money. Yeah, Steve Nash would be a great caddy for me. Wow. All right, yeah. I guess I'm up. Well, I'm going to go with a guy. Um, he's, a, he's an incredibly smart guy, which I actually didn't know. So he graduated from the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm. He has a master's degree in chemical engineering from the University of Sydney and won the Fulbright oh, wow. Scholarship to MIT. So he's going to be able to analyze my swing. He's going to be talking about ball flight, trajectory, Jesus. exit velocity, all that stuff. Woo! This guy also uh, is is a specimen, and I think he's been dabbling in uh, you know some of the uh, you know hormone stuff. So I think he's going to help me beat some drugs tests. So Bryson DeChambeau is not going to have shit on me with this guy on my bag. I'm going with Dolph Lundgren. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and if he dies, he dies. He will break you. <laughs> guy came out of the Iron Curtain. He's ready to go. Awesome. Oh wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I feel kind of stupid because I used this one a little bit earlier in a text message with the fellas, but I got to go with it as my first one. Uh, so you guys know that nothing frustrates me more than pace of play when we're playing golf. Uh, our, our foursome has a rule. You can be bad or you can be slow, but you can't be both. Uh, so to save me from losing my shit, I need somebody that will lose their shit for me. So I'm going with the the king of losing his shit. Uh, I'm going with Johnny McEnroe as my number Nicely one pick done. for my caddy. Because he would be screaming at the little old ladies and their umbrellas up ahead. Are you for real with that umbrella? Get out of there with that umbrella. Awesome. <laughs> He'd be screaming. He'd be losing his mind. Uh, so I'm going with Johnny Mac. And my second pick, uh, let me see. Hmm. I'm going to need somebody uh, to calm the nerves. I like to have a good cocktail from time to time. Uh, so I'm going to need somebody that knows how to uh, whip up a good good cocktail and a good drink. I'm going to go with Tom Cruise uh, for his cocktail yeah. days as my caddy. Just nice to whip pick. me up a nice whip me up, whip me up a nice Tom Collins or something just to take the edge off. Of. Maybe an Arnie Palmer just to take oh, the wow. edge off. It's a good Very call. Nice. Very nice. Good pick. Good call. Good pick. All right, well, I'm going to go with this guy. He's, he's cool as shit. Uh, you're never going to run out of cigars with this guy on the golf course. And it, you guys know I like to have a nice cigar while I'm golfing. Uh, he's also going to be regaling you with amazing stories from all the wild Hollywood parties he attended in the 70s and 80s. And at the end of the round, I'd probably score some court, courtside Lakers tickets to watch the GOAT in action. I'm going with Jack Nicholson. Oh, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Excellent pick. Nice. How are you gonna? How are you gonna have? Oh, never mind. I'm, I'm not gonna go with that. <laughs> Get to watch the goat. Oh, okay. Fuck. <laughs> Here we go. I literally have, was thinking. Let's, hey, for those of you listening at home, take a drink because this is like the 1500th episode that we've done that the boys have made some kind of LeBron goat comment. Okay. You know so what? We, we he actually he actually beat me because I was gonna pick LeBron as my next caddy. 
So, because he's right. <laughs> and it won't be Ray Lewis either. Don't worry, Webb. Or something. Oh. <laughs> All right. It's Russell, but no. Um, so, my next pick. Uh, so, I'm going to go. You say Pete with... Carroll, I'm hanging up. No, no, no. Can you imagine? So, I'm going to go with my next pick. I need a guy who I love. I love to golf, but I like the 19 hole as well. And I need a guy who's going to keep me fired up. And sometimes I need a little after the 18th hole. I'm getting tired and a little bit hot. I need an all right, all right, all right. I want Matthew McConaughey, yes, Matthew, folks. <laughs> Apparently, a pretty good golfer a too. Hell of a and pick. He's a very good golfer. Hell of a pick. And then for my last pick, this one's tough for me. I have a few different people. Um, I'm actually going to go with someone who has a certain set of skills, skills that'll be able to find my golf ball. He will find it, and when he will find it, he will bring it back to me. I'm going with none other than Taken's Liam Neeson. You just cut my grass. You picked Liam Neeson? You cut my grass. I had Liam Neeson. I was taking him next. Because he will find you. I, I said he's got a very specific set of uh, skills, and reading greens has got to be one of them. <laughs> I'm going. Oh, Liam Neeson's my last. I can't guess. believe you just cut my grass. That's I can't believe you had Liam Neeson. <laughs> All right, I guess I'm going to have to finish it off with. Uh, I'm going. Uh, yeah, this is. I'm going off the grid here. So I'm going to. I'm going to bring. I'm assuming I'm playing in a money tournament. And I'm grabbing this guy because I know by the end of the round, everyone's going to quit before the tournament ends, and I'm going to win just by default. I'm picking this guy, uh, and I'm just going to let him. I'm going to turn him loose on all the golfers. I'm picking Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, come oh, on. If I was in a foursome and you were here, Caddy, I would quit. I'd be with McConaughey in the 19th hole. That's where I'm going to be. Like, we're out of here. When I was in my last year at Clarkson, oh. we did it. Uh, he did stand up at our university uh, at our rank, Aww. and we went, we went to the show. We were mangled, and uh, he was using our dressing room uh, as like his like place to get ready and stuff, like his, his quiet spot, green room, green room or whatever. So the the guy, like security guards, let us go down because it's like our dressing room or whatever. So we hung out with Gilbert Gottfried uh, uh, after the show. After his show, it was hilarious. We were like mangled. We had beers with him and stuff. It was classic. The guy was like, he's tiny too. He's like just a tiny little guy. It was funny. Annoying. Right. Last pick. Uh, and I don't know if you guys will let me have this one or not. But I mean, it's out there, and if I have the opportunity to, I'm going to. So I obviously I need to win. So I'm going to get somebody who is the ultimate winner, uh, the ultimate trash talker, and one hell of a golfer in his own right. I'm going with the black cat, black Jesus, the goat, the real goat. I'm going with 6'6 out of North Carolina, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. You think Jordan's going to carry your clubs? You're yeah. goddamn right he is. He's going to use it. And you know what's going to – you know why? Because he's going to be like, ah, he's too drunk. I'll just take this shot for him. <laughs> and he'll take it with a cigar in his mouth while he does it. I That's right. 23. <laughs> That's right. And then he'll just give me a fresh pair of 11s and I'll be hanging out in the cart chilling. <laughs> you'll be on Goat Alley at Grove 23 with uh, That's right. Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, and Wayne Gretzky. They have lockers. It's the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Good pick, Webb. Good pick. Yeah. How are you gonna? How am I not gonna take any? I, I feel like this. It's just becoming a thing. I should figure out new ways that I can take Michael Jordan in any draft. <laughs> yeah, I think you've taken him in almost every draft we have. Absolutely, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, batting, he's batting. He's batting sixty-five percent. He's hitting sixty-five percent on yours. 
He is, for sure. Tell them where to hit us up, Web. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening and engaging with us on social. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And please continue to engage with us on Twitter at Big League Flicks and on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. You can also check us out on YouTube and on TikTok by searching at Big League Flicks as well. Happy Take birthday. Care, Shout out to uh, Steve-O. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, brother. Happy We're birthday, Steve-O. Talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle. Comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer!